We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. It's game day. I'm Trevor Lane for LakersNation.com. This is the LakersNation.com podcast. We've got Lakers versus Clippers tonight. I wish we could be fully 100% excited for this, but I have a feeling that most people already kind of felt like, well, the Lakers are 2-0 on the season against the Clippers, probably not going to win three in a row against them. And then we got the news that LeBron James will not be in action for tonight's matchup against the Clippers. Currently, as I'm recording this, the Clippers are an eight and a half point favorite. They've been playing great basketball and the Lakers will be missing LeBron. I'm going to get into the injury report in a little more detail in just a moment. Before I do, and before I dive into everything, because we got to talk trades, we got to talk about Darvin Ham and something that I think is kind of peculiar about him that maybe we're not talking about enough. Uh, we also need to get into the mailbag. So a lot that we need to get into on today's show. Before I do all of that, though, you guys know what time of year it is, right? February 8th, the trade deadline is coming up. You know, I'm going to do everything I can to keep you as up-to-date as possible on everything going on in the Lakers world ahead of the trade deadline. So if you are a YouTube viewer, you're over on the YouTube channel, and you're not a subscriber yet, hit that subscribe button, turn on notifications. That's, that way you get notified whenever we put out a new video. Anything comes out, I'm going to be on top of it. I'm going to get out the news as well as the analysis of it as quickly as I can. I'm going to let you know what it means for the Lakers, I like to say, I look at everything through purple and gold lenses. A trade goes down across the NBA to Eastern Conference teams. There could be a domino effect that impacts the Lakers. That's the lens I'm going to look at everything through. Same thing goes for podcast listeners. If you're listening over the podcast side, you're not following us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, please make sure you do so. And then don't forget, Apple Podcast listeners, if you can give us that five-star rating and review, I love going in there, reading the reviews, and it's a great way to help out the show. Okay, that stuff aside, let's let's just dive right into it. Let's just talk about some of the trade stuff that's going on right now. Um, so the Lakers, we know they're interested in Jante Murray, but Shams Tarania added a few other names, and they're not names that we're hearing for the first time here, but uh, Dejounte Murray, Terry Rozier, Bruce Brown, Tyus Jones, these are all players that the Lakers are reportedly, again, according to Shams Trania, taking a look at on the trade market. So, obviously, the 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 common the commonality here between these four players, they're all guards. They're all guards that the Lakers are looking at. Uh, Dejounte Murray has a long term contract. Uh, the longest contract is four years left after this current year ends. Terry Rozier, 
Uh, still has some time left on his contract. I believe it's one more season after this one. Uh, Bruce Brown, he has a really unique contract. That's pretty interesting, actually. Uh, Bruce Brown has a team option for next year. You're seeing that less and less these days, by the way. You're seeing less team options on deals right now, um, which is interesting. Uh, Terry Rogier, I just double-checked, actually has two years after this one left on, on his contract. But Bruce Brown, team option, you're seeing a lot more player options now. So that's fairly unique. The Indiana Pacers, when they got Bruce Brown, who, by the way, I think he was going to be a Laker. I mean, from the the folks that I talked to from within the Lakers at the time last summer when the Lakers were uh, going to use their mid-level exception, there was some real optimism that they were getting Bruce Brown, that he was going to be a Los Angeles Laker. And obviously that didn't wind up happening. Indiana came along and gave him that big deal, $22 million. But in exchange for overpaying him, that also meant they got to put the team option on the second year of the deal. So could the Lakers ironically now trade for Bruce Brown? And then what would they do with that team option? We'll talk about that in a minute. Then Tyus Jones, uh, he's on an expiring deal. So very different contracts here. But one of the things that really stands out to me about all of these guys is I tend to take these guys and compare them to D'Angelo Russell. And in the case of DeJounte Murray, if you told me right now which player would you rather have, I'm picking DeJounte Murray. But here's the thing. His contract is a part of that. The contract is a part of that. The fit, what he's doing on the floor, that's definitely part of that too. It's hard coming off of D'Angelo Russell going for 34 points and having such a fun game uh, against the Blazers to say, oh, let's trade D'Angelo Russell. But if I'm being honest, if it's straight up, I'm taking D'Angelo Russell. The other guys, I don't know that I'm doing it. And that's that's where this is problematic because we, we continue to hear that if they are going to move anybody, it's going to be D'Angelo Russell. And these are not players. We look at Terry Rogier, um, his salary. Terry Rogier, $23 million this season, $25 million next season, $26.7 million, well, $26.6 million the season after that. That's a significant amount of money. And I don't know that I'd rather have Terry Rozier than D'Angelo Russell. And I'm not saying Terry Rozier is a bad player. He's not. He's been he's been on a tear this season. He's been great. Terry, <laughs> there you go. Um, he's been great this season. He's averaging 24 points, almost seven assists, shooting 37% from three. Now, that's not D'Lo level shooting, but he's scoring more. He's a... He's a more athletic player, and that's something the Lakers are looking for. They're looking for speed, for athleticism, quickness in their backcourt, and understandably why they'd be looking for those things. But is Terry Rozier an upgrade from D'Angelo Russell? Eh, probably not. I'd probably rather just keep D'Lo. So when I hear these names, I can't help but be a little bit underwhelmed with the exception of DeJounte Murray, and we know how problematic that is. Trying to trade for DeJounte Murray is not going to be easy. It's not going to be simple, especially with Michael Scotto from Hoops I've had a few days ago, uh, and Shams Tarania confirmed this today, that the Atlanta Hawks, they don't want D'Angelo Russell. What they want to do is they want to get a third team involved, have that third team send them expiring contracts, and D'Lo go to that third team because they are worried D'Angelo Russell is going to pick up his player option. So that gets tricky. You know, the saying around the NBA is three-team deals are where trades go to die. That doesn't mean they never happen, obviously. They they happen fairly often. I mean, we just saw what happened with the Knicks, the, the Pelicans, and the Raptors. It does happen, but it's not easy. It's 
not easy to make three-team deals happen. So that can complicate things quite a bit. But if it's not DeJounte Murray, like Bruce Brown, okay. But again, does that move the needle? If Toronto wants a player and a pick, like if I have to give up a draft pick, even a pick swap to turn D'Angelo Russell into Bruce Brown, I don't know if I'm doing that. And I like Bruce Brown. I think they, they could use his skill set. I think it's a shame they weren't able to get him off the, the, off the market as a free agent. And you know what? That's another thing that maybe we don't talk enough about. Like, obviously, this team has plenty of firepower. No excuses. There's no reason why they should be losing some of the games that they're losing. Let me, let me preface this with that. But the Lakers last summer, they had one bullet in the chamber, if you want to look at it that way. They had one, a, one exception, really, that was going to allow them to spend a significant amount of money to bring in a player who wasn't already one of their guys. And that was the mid-level exception. They used the biannual exception on Torian Prince. That's $4.5 million. And I think that was just fine. I think that's that's actually really good value on Torian Prince. The Lakers wanted to use their mid-level exception on Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown winds up going to the Pacers. The Pacers swoop in at the last minute and say, hey, we've got a ton of money to spend. Take $22 million, but we have the right to cut you free next year. We'll put a team option on the second year. And Bruce Brown went, uh, yeah, I can get $22 million for the Pacers or the Lakers can give me like $12 million. I'll take the $22 million. And I don't blame him for that. But the Lakers pivot and they go get Gabe Vincent. And Gabe Vincent, this is not his fault. Gabe Vincent didn't ask to get hurt. Gabe Vincent didn't tell his knee to swell up. But the Lakers have gotten nothing out of Gabe Vincent. Less than nothing. He played five games and and was not good. So the Lakers, their one path to adding a significant player that's not somebody they're bringing back. So you're using bird rights to keep Austin, to keep Jared Vanderbilt, to keep Dela, right? You're using bird rights to keep all those guys, Rui. Your one opportunity gets used on Gabe Vincent. That hurts when that was your one shot to bring in talent that was going to help the team this year. That certainly helped hurt the Lakers. One way to look at it, though, is after the trade deadline, if Gabe Vincent's still a Laker, is this kind of like the Lakers acquired another player on the trade market? Because I'm thinking sometime after the All-Star break, Gabe Vincent will be back. Maybe. We'll see how he does. But anyway, looking at these players, it's a little bit strange when I look at these guys and I think, DeJounte Murray, yes, that's, that's improving the team. That's getting the team ready to go win basketball games. The rest of the guys, I don't know, like, if you trade D'Angelo Russell for Bruce Brown, you've got another deal you have to make. You can't stop there. You can't be done because Bruce Brown's not a point guard. Bruce Brown's not the passer that D'Angelo Russell is. That's why, honestly, if it were straight up, if you told me, hey, you can have one guy or the other, I'm taking D'Lo for this team. And you can say, well, Bruce Brown outplayed D'Lo in the Western Conference Finals and, and he's a better defender and all that. True. Absolutely true. And I would love it if you could have both guys. That'd be fantastic. But for this team, if you lose D'Angelo Russell's passing, you lose his shooting. Bruce Brown's shooting like 32%, 33% from three this season. You lose his shooting. That's going to be difficult to replace. you got to go get another D'Angelo Russell to replace that. Now, maybe that's where like Tyus Jones comes into play. Maybe you do a deal around D'Lo and Bruce Brown, and then you go bring in Tyus Jones 
uh, who's making 14 million, you package up like Gabe Vincent and a and a player or something, and and you go get Tyus Jones. Maybe that's how this all makes sense. But overall, just trying to look at this in a vacuum, there's only one player on this list that I would swap Delo out for. Contracts matter, and in Bruce Brown's case, if you traded Delo for Bruce Brown, which I'm not saying would be the straight up deal that the Raptors would want, but if you were to make that trade, you would be taking a player option guy in D'Lo and turning it into a team option guy in Bruce Brown. There's value to that. Your team having control of the situation. There's value to that. But there's another bit here that I think is it's worth noting. And that's the, this, this idea. Adrian Wojnarowski mentioned this on uh, ESPN programming. The idea that in order for the Lakers to trade D'Angelo Russell, what they're going to have to do is they're going to have to add stuff to D'Lo in order to get someone to take D'Angelo Russell. I don't like that. That doesn't sit well with me. I get it if it's a team that doesn't need D'Angelo. Let's say in order to get a DeJounte Murray deal done, it means trading D'Angelo Russell for an expiring contract to a third team that doesn't need D'Angelo Russell, that already has their point guard situation set. I understand. That team probably needs to be incentivized. That team probably needs to be given something in order to do that because they don't need D'Angelo Russell. And who knows what D'Lo might pick up his player option. He might not. It's $18 million and change for next season. There's that uncertainty. That team probably needs to be compensated. But just in general... Do I look at D'Angelo Russell and say, this is a negative value player? This is the kind of guy that I should have to give somebody something to take him off my books? No, not at all. Not at all. And you can say, well, D'Angelo Russell went through this slump at one point in the season and and D'Lo struggles in the playoffs and, and all of that. That's true. And there's concerns about what happens when you bring D'Lo to the playoffs. Does he get... Uh, does he get hunted to death on the defensive end of the floor and, and all of that? There's real concern, but that's also why D'Angelo Russell is making 17 million this season. Most guys that have the ability on any given night to drop 30 plus points aren't making 17 million. They're making more than that, especially the guys, the guys that can shoot as well from three as D'Lo can. So I don't look at D'Angelo Russell and say, man, this guy, get this guy off the roster. This is a problem. He's clogging up this team. Uh, he's ruining things on the floor. This is not a Russell Westbrook situation with D'Lo. Not at all. Not even close. Russell Westbrook, his giant salary was making it really difficult. Forget the on-court stuff. His giant salary was making it difficult to put a competent roster together. You needed to move him in order to open up your roster and create some actual depth on your team. That's not the case with D'Angelo Russell. So when I'm the La- if I'm the Lakers and I'm looking at the trade front, if that's what I'm hearing, if teams are telling me, oh, well, if, we, if we're going to put D'Lo on our roster, you're going to have to give us something real good. Take a hike. No way. Again, if this is the difference between getting a franchise cornerstone of the future type of trade, okay. Hey, if, that's, if I have to kick in a little bit extra in order to get the deal done, maybe I'm getting the deal done. But if you're telling me, I got to add to D'Angelo Russell to get Bruce Brown. I got to add to D'Angelo Russell to get Terry Rozier. 
no thank you. No thank you. Look, there's a breaking point to all of this. There's a breaking point. Is it a disadvantage that D'Angelo Russell has a player option this summer? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And him getting the player option was a trade-off for the Lakers removing his no-trade clause so they can trade him this season. And there are teams that don't like that D'Angelo Russell has a player option this summer. They don't like the uncertainty. They don't like not knowing whether or not he'll opt in. But I look at what D'Angelo Russell has done this season. If you don't get caught up in the day-to-day, you don't get caught up in just today, you look at the scope of the entire season, you look at what he's done, from a value perspective, if D'Angelo Russell opts in and you're, you're paying him $18 million, great. He's worth it. That's fantastic. Now, for the Lakers specifically... You're getting close to that second-tier apron. You've got to bring back Max Christie. The money starts getting tight. Keith Smith and I talked about this uh, over on the YouTube channel last week. The Lakers' cap situation this summer gets a little bit tricky, and that can give you a little bit more incentive to try to you know, get some more certainty in D'Lo's roster spot in terms of what that, that salary is going to be for next season rather than a player option. If he plays great and ups out and you have to pay more to keep him, that's a difficult spot to be in. right? That's not easy. But if you're having to kick in any kind of significant assets and your worst case scenario this summer is he opts out and you've got to maybe pay him more or you're going to lose him. Or your alternative is I got to kick in extra money to get a guy or extra stuff, extra assets to get a guy who's probably not even as good. Isn't going to give me like is going to require me to make other moves. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I don't know if I'm doing it. I don't know if I'm doing it, if I'm the Lakers. And that's really what other teams are telling me about D'Angelo Russell. Now, let me also finish with this. I've talked way longer about this than I intended to already. But teams may be saying right now, oh, you want to put D'Lo on our roster, it's going to cost you. Let's also remember last year. Remember what we heard last year? Right before the trade deadline, everybody swore. Everybody, regardless of who you talked to, it felt like the entire league was united against the Lakers. If you want to get get uh, Russell Westbrook off your roster, that cost is a first-round pick. Just to get Russ off your roster. You want to get anything back for him? Well, that's another first-round pick. That That's what... It, Sea to shining sea. That's what every reporter was saying. Every team, they're all saying the same thing. What ended up happening? The Lakers moved Russell Westbrook. They got back three, what looked like at the time, pretty good players. Gosh, I wish Malik Beasley was shooting 
that well as he is now for the Bucks, and he's still on the Lakers doing that, but but that's another conversation. But it cost them one first-round pick. And they got back pieces that ultimately helped them make a run to the Western Conference Finals. So the lesson there is there is a lot of posturing out there still right now. And don't take everything for face value. But if that is accurate in any way, if teams are really telling the Lakers, hey, you need to pay more just to get D'Lo off your roster, come on. Let's not be ridiculous. And if that's the case, walk away. Your worst case scenario, D'Lo opts out. Maybe you lose him for nothing this summer. Maybe you have to pay him a little bit more. Maybe he opts in and you say, okay, 18 million and change and and off we go and we're good. Uh, and then he's, you know, an expiring contract for next season to, to maybe either move or to keep long-term or, or whatever. So it's not ideal this summer, but it's certainly not a, oh my gosh, we have to do this right now. I don't care what the cost is. You don't have to move D'Angelo Russell if teams are going to make you pay some crazy price to do so. Okay, um, let's talk about the injury update. So this was a little bit of a surprise. Came out last night. Anthony Davis, Jared Vanderbilt, probable to play. LeBron James, out tonight against the Clippers. Not good. Not good. Obviously decreases the Lakers' chances of winning. Now, you also notice, though, and I've got the status report up on the screen for, for YouTube viewers. There's four players on here. Anthony Davis, Jared Vanderbilt, both probable. LeBron James, Gabe Vincent, out. Somebody's missing here. That's Torian Prince, who sat out last game, was dealing with a knee issue. The fact that he's not on the status report tells you he's playing. He's playing. If he was not playing, he would be on it. He would be questionable. He'd be doubtful. Whatever. He's playing. So Torian Prince is back. So I'd have to imagine that the Lakers, who started Rui Hachimura last game in place of Torian Prince, probably just put Torian back in the starting lineup, and it's uh, Austin D'Lo, Torian, Rui, Anthony Davis, and that'll be the Lakers starting five. I'd have to imagine that's probably what we're going to see from the starting lineup. So that's, again, that's made the Clippers a very heavy favorite. I think the Clippers were going to be the favorite even if LeBron wasn't playing. Now, does that mean it's all doom and gloom and just don't even pay attention to this game and don't watch it and all that? The highest probable outcome is, yes, the Clippers will win the game. That's, I mean, it doesn't take a, a rocket science scientist to figure that out. But there's also a reason why you play the game. I mean, look at what happened last night. The Wolves are the best team in the West. Carl Anthony Towns scored 62 points, and they lost to the Hornets. You just never know. Towns drop. You tell me you've got the best team in the West playing one of the worst teams in the East. What's going to happen? The team in the West is going to win. And one of the, that team's big players goes berserk for 62 points. Oh, they're going to smash that other team. Nope, the Hornets won. Terry Rozier, who we just talked about, made some big plays down the stretch. So did LaMelo Ball. And there you go. The Hornets won. You just never know in today's NBA. So with that being the case, the Lakers are still going to get out there. They're going to do everything they can to, to win this game. Um, again, not going to be easy. Your wings are going to have to really come through, especially defending guys like Kawhi Leonard, guys like Paul George, James Harden. I mean, think about that right there. Three of your starters that aren't named Anthony Davis. So Austin, D'Lo, Torian, and Rui. 
of those four, three of them are going to be defending James Harden, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard. That's that's not ideal. <laughs> that's not ideal. That means, uh, let's say, Rui on Paul George. Let's say Torian on Kawhi Leonard. Maybe that's flipped. I mean, that's an advantageous matchup for the Clippers on both fronts. I think more advantageous with the guy Torian is defending. And then either D'Lo or Austin has to defend James Harden. Yeesh. That's, that's some rough defensive matchups. But uh, again, there's a reason why you play the game. Now, before I get, because I do need to get to the mailbag, I don't want to spend a ton of time breaking down Lakers Clippers. We know what's going to happen. The Clippers shoot a lot of threes. They shoot a pretty high percentage. If the Lakers continue to run the same defensive schemes as they have for much of the season, which are bonkers, then the Clippers are going to get open looks from three. Word is out. Teams are hunting open threes against the Lakers. It's a problem. It needs to be addressed. Plain and simple. The Lakers rotations are a problem. They need to be addressed. My One of my concerns, and with LeBron out, maybe you, you have no choice here, but one of my concerns coming out of the Blazers win was that Darvin Ham got away with Cam Reddish and Jared Vanderbilt being on the floor at the same time. It worked out just fine because the Blazers are bad. And my concern is that Ham will see that and say, oh, well, that's, there it is. There's proof. It works. And then play them for the next like five games, even though offensively, the two of them don't coexist well at all. They they kill your spacing because they both have the same deficiency in that teams don't defend them behind the three-point line. Now, Cam is better getting to the rim and finishing at the rim. Vando, I think, is the better rebounder, the better defensive player overall. They're not the same player, but both guys are, are players that teams will ignore behind the three-point line. Cam can occasionally get hot. Jared Vanderbilt can occasionally get hot. We saw that the other day. But in general, teams do not care if they're standing behind the three-point line. And that creates issues on the offensive end of the floor. So there's a lot of issues still with this team. But one of the things that I think is worth noting and something that we haven't talked a lot about on this show has been the way things tend to go on this team. And I'm talking about a pattern that we've seen going back to last year. So let me, let's talk about this season a little bit. D'Angelo Russell began the season as a starter got benched for a little bit, back in the starting lineup, has seen his minutes fluctuate a bunch. Austin Reeves was a starter, then off the bench, then a starter, minutes fluctuate a bunch. Rui Hachimura, his minutes have fluctuated even more. Now he's dealt with injuries, so that's part of it. Uh, Jared Vanderbilt, kind of thrown into a lot of different roles, kind of moved around quite a bit. It's these guys that seem to have the short leash on this team. And then you look at the guys that are getting minutes. You can argue too many minutes, regardless of what seems to be going on. The main one that people immediately think of is Torian Prince. Torian Prince gets 30 plus minutes a night. Should he be getting that many minutes? No. And I think Torian Prince, I've talked about it before on here. I think he gets too much flack for this. It's not his fault not his fault he's being asked to to play a bigger role than he should i think he's been just fine especially on the 4.5 million dollar contract the lakers gave him he's been a good value for a bench wing because that's what he is the lakers have been using him as a starter though rather than the guy that they paid they're paying what 15 plus million dollars this season in Rui hachimura rather than start him 
they're using Torian Prince. Or rather than start the guy you just extended and you said you want to be part of your franchise for years to come and Jared Vanderbilt, you're starting Torian Prince. And it sure feels like Torian Prince, Cam Reddish, they've got a longer leash, don't they? Cam comes back from injury. He's right back in the rotation, getting major minutes. And he played just fine against the Blazers. Don't get me wrong. He, he played well. But Cam, it seems like he can turn the ball over a bunch. And nothing seems to happen to his minutes. D'Angelo Russell goes through a shooting slump, which is what happens with three-point shooters sometimes. And he's benched. Austin Reeves starts the season a little bit slow. And he's benched in favor of Cam Reddish. Go back to last season. This is interesting. Go back to last season. There was a point when a lot of people were frustrated with Dennis Schroeder's minutes. The same way people are frustrated with Torian Prince's minutes right now. People are frustrated with Dennis Schroeder. Now, today, looking back, we think of Dennis Schroeder very fondly on that team. In fact, people wish Dennis Schroeder was still on this Lakers team. And I think Dennis was always pretty good. He hurt his thumb the very beginning of the season, so he kind of it took him a little while to get back up to speed. But Dennis always was the same guy, just the problem was the Lakers had Patrick Beverly and Russell Westbrook on the floor with them, which didn't work at all because you had three guys who three smaller guards that weren't that great shooting the ball. And that created some problems. Once those guys were off the team and once everything changed, suddenly Dennis was able to shine. Suddenly his speed, his quickness, his ability to get to the rim, all, all that sort of stuff, his defensive tenacity, all of that mattered a lot more and helped him become a guy who the Lakers could count on night in, night out. But even when things weren't looking good, and people were bemoaning the, the three-guard lineup. Remember that? Dennis's minutes were still constant. So Dennis Schroeder, Cam Reddish, Torian Prince. What's the common denominator here? These are all Darwin's guys. That doesn't mean that there's something bad or anything. Like they're That's fine. But these are all guys that Darwin coached previously. Coming in. And you've got the guys that either the Lakers traded for while he was the coach or he kind of inherited. You guys like Austin Reeves. Doesn't seem to have as long of a leash as Darvin's guys. The guys that he coached before. The guys that he brought in to the Lakers. The guys that he convinced to come in. Now, one perhaps exception Christian Wood, who starting off got a lot of minutes, then got benched for a little bit in favor of Jackson Hayes and then brought back. Maybe he's the exception there because he's certainly one of Darvin's guys as well and a guy that Darvin promised a big role to over the summer. It's something worth watching. I don't want to come out and just say, oh, Darvin Ham is playing favorites. I know other people will. But is it? it is noticeable that the guys that seem to have the longest leash that aren't LeBron James and Anthony Davis, they do seem to have that common factor between them. That they're all his guys from, from before. And the guys that tend to have their minutes messed around with, they're in and out of the rotation, they're not the guys that he necessarily brought in. And again, that could just be coincidence. I am fully presenting the, the idea that this could just be coincidence. It could be that he just needed wings in the rotation and, and all of that, right? 
it doesn't necessarily mean that he's definitely playing favorites, but it's something to keep an eye on here. Because when we look at the Lakers locker room, we look at moments where the Lakers don't look super happy and, and things of that nature, or guys have expressed a little bit of frustration with their roles. Of course, that, there's that athletic report that came out about a month ago that I mean, pretty much skewered Darvin Ham and the way players are seeing him and all that. If the perception is that you got to be one of his guys from before the Lakers in order to get the minutes that you need to get, in order to get the role that you're going to get, that's the kind of thing that doesn't bode well for the future. Players don't want to go to, to teams with those situations. So it's something to keep an eye on and something to consider. When people question why does Torian get so many minutes? Why does Torian keep why do they keep why do they why would you ask Torian Prince to defend Luka Doncic down the stretch of a game when you've got Jared Vanderbilt? Why would you do that? It's just interesting that these are guys that, that Darwin has coached before coming to the Lakers. So they're kind of his guys. And it does seem to mean something. It does seem to mean something, and it does seem to result in having a little bit more leeway, a little bit more opportunity. Something worth keeping an eye on, everybody. In addition to the rotations, in addition to the substitutions, in addition to the lack of timeouts and all that kind of stuff, does it? do the guys that Darwin coached before just have a longer leash than anybody else? If so, that's a problem. That's a problem. All right. I, I do want to get into the mailbag. But first, need to pause for just a moment. Talk for a minute about Doer Jeans. I'm going to pause for just a moment to give a shout out to our sponsor, and that is Doer Jeans. I love my Doer Jeans. I've got the Performance Denim Relaxed Taper Jean in the title color, which is kind of like a softish blue. And what I really love about them is that they're comfortable enough to just wear around the house and you're not sitting there wishing that you're wearing a pair of sweatpants or pajama pants or whatever. They're super soft, super stretchy, so they're very, very comfortable just to hang out in and wear. And that's always my number one priority. It's comfort. However, they also look great. You can wear them out to dinner, no problem. In fact, I literally wore mine out to dinner earlier tonight and I was thankful for the stretchy part. Went out and got Mexican food, had some chips and guac. You know, I was happy that Doer jeans are soft and especially stretchy. Definitely needed that when I went out to dinner. Uh, they're made from an all-natural fiber for that high stretch, breathability, and moisture absorption, complete with temperature regulating and antimicrobial properties to feel fresh, cool, and dry. Again, these jeans, they just feel great to wear. So you can upgrade your wardrobe and order your own pair of Dewar jeans today. Check out Dewar's flagship store in L.A. or Denver or shop online at shopdewar.com slash Lakers Nation. Right now, my listeners get 15% off site-wide when you use my special URL. That's shopdewar.com slash Lakers Nation. It's a great deal. Don't wait. 15% off. Go to shopdewar.com slash Lakers Nation. All right. Let's get into the mailbag. A lot of these comments coming in um, from after the Lakers win against the Blazers. Logan said, what assets would we have to give up to get Murray and Caruso or Dorian Finney-Smith? So you can make the math work on a DeJounte Murray deal with just uh, with just D'Lo, D'Angelo Russell. But what we've heard, the deal would be D'Angelo Russell, Jalen Huchifino, your 2029 first round pick, a pick swap, 
plus maybe more if you have to send D'Lo to a third team and you have to give that third team something because they're not necessarily a team that perhaps needs D'Angelo Russell. So that's a lot. That's a lot of your available assets in order to get Murray, in, in order to get DeJounte Murray. And specifically Caruso, we've already heard the Bulls want like multiple firsts for him. Like teams demand a ton this time of year. It doesn't mean they're going to get it. But I think a first is pretty reasonable for Caruso. I think he, they will get that at least. And the Lakers, if they gave up their 2029 first, they would no longer have a tradable first to go get Caruso. So I think it would be kind of tough to do. Otherwise, you would have to find an asset that the Bulls would value as the equivalent of a first-round pick. So it would become like, how do the Bulls feel about Max Christie as a restricted free agent? Do they give him first-round value? If you were to offer Gabe Vincent salary for salary matching and Max Christie for Caruso, could you get something like that done? I don't know that that's enough. And then you could throw in like second round picks or something. Maybe that's enough. But I think that's that's essentially how it would have to go down to get both Murray and Caruso or M Murray and Dorian Finney-Smith. Um, similar, I believe DFS is making like 14 million. So you could still do the same thing. It would be like Gabe Vincent plus. But uh, again, that also is dependent upon how do teams look at Gabe Vincent? Do they say because he basically hasn't played this season, he's a negative value contract until we see him on the floor? Maybe. And if that's the case, that you know, that could blow up that whole thing. Seven Day Sports said, Are we talking about winning a chip or the narrative of just hanging on to Austin Reeves? He can't guard anyone in the playoffs. So if the prerequisite is being able to guard someone come playoff time in order to be on the team, then D'Lo's gone, Austin's gone, Torian's gone right off the bat. I, I think all three of those guys are going to get hunted come playoff time. Now, Torian to a lesser degree, I think, but all three of those guys would get would get hunted. I think Torian's been, he's clearly a better defensive player than those two guys, but he's still a guy who can be switch hunted. So I, I think there are some players who still play in the postseason who can't defend. The problem is when you have more than one of those guys on the floor at a time, and your schemes need to be good enough in order to switch and recover and do do things like that to try to make up for that player being out there. Um, that's the issue for, for this Lakers team. Now, you think back to like the 2020 Lakers team. Did they really have anybody that was a terrible defensive player that you had out there? I mean, like Kyle Kuzma wasn't always great defensively, but I mean, even he was pretty versatile on that end of the floor. You had Alex Caruso, who was great defensively you had KCP you had Danny Green both these guys are plus defenders I mean LeBron was a better defensive player at that point uh you have Anthony Davis you've got guys who who could defend all over the floor so there's definitely an advantage to having uh five guys on the floor and all of them can defend but I think you can get away with it with one guy where we run into trouble and this is where again if you're on the side of trade Delo, I don't know that you can have two guys on the floor at the same time in the playoffs that aren't good defensively and that creates some problems uh next question said the question is if the season were over now would Delo opt in i think based on what he's done this past five game stretch he's averaging 27 points over the last five games shooting 50 plus percent from three like, like 56 percent from three 54 percent from the field something like that off the top of my head or maybe those are flipped unsustainable numbers but if i'm d'angelo russell and this is what i just did i'm opting out this summer uh, because what have you done for me lately? I, he just went berserk. 
So I think he would opt out. I think the goal for him has always been to play great this season, opt out, and get a long-term deal. And, you know, part of that is, if you're D'Angelo Russell, I'm really curious. How did negotiations with D'Lo exactly go down? And maybe I need to just ask around and find out. But did D'Lo want a shorter contract? Like, D'Angelo Russell had a terrible playoff series in the Western Conference Finals. We were at one point we were talking about he's going to get 25, 30 million a season because he was playing great for the Lakers. And then he had that terrible Western Conference Finals and he winds up getting a two year deal at 17 million for the first year, 18 million for the second year, and and change. And it's and it's just a two year contract. Is that because Dilo wanted a shorter term contract so that he could wipe away that memory of what happened against Denver? and then cash in later? Or were the Lakers only willing to go two years while Rui got three years, Vando got four years, Austin got four years? Gabe Vincent, who wasn't even on the team, got three years. Like, that's what you're seeing. If you're D'Angelo Russell, you look around you, everybody's getting these long-term commitments, and the Lakers are, are giving you two years and saying, hey, but and, and we want to be able to trade you this first year. It's not exactly a vote of confidence. Is it? So I think that might give D'Angelo Russell even a little bit more incentive to opt out and say, well, you know what? You guys didn't show a lot of faith in me last summer. If, again, if D'Lo asked, said, I only want a two-year deal and I want a player option so that I can cash in, that's a different story if that's how things went down. Okay? But I, I think right now D'Lo would opt out. And uh, if there was anything that went down the way I'm describing it, if D'Angelo Russell wanted a long-term deal, everybody else got one and he didn't, that gives him a little more incentive to opt out and say, hey, look, you guys didn't believe in me. I'm going to explore the market and see what I've got. Again, different story. If D'Lo said, oh, no, no, if the Lakers offered a three-year deal, four-year deal, whatever, and D'Lo said, oh, no, 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 I want a short-term deal, which is possible. Sean Mills, Christian Wood for effort and impact in his minutes. He was talking about who should get the star in your role award. I've liked what Christian Wood has done since he's returned to the rotation. Uh, he's been good for the Lakers. I still think they could use a true physical backup big presence. I don't know if they're going to get it on the trade market before February 8th. We'll see, but I did like that. Trey said, did you guys notice D'Angelo crying? Okay, reports the locker room was quiet when they were up 15 at the half. Okay, so I... I don't know that D'Lo was actually crying, right? Like, first of all, I, I think it's a little bit of a stretch to say, like, it's not like he was sitting there with tears streaming down his face, right? And then, as far as the locker room, I've asked around multiple people who would know, and everybody said it's, it's nothing. Like, that's not... And not like, not like people saying, I'm fine... Like when your girlfriend or your wife is mad at you or whatever, and they say, I'm fine. Yeah, you know, they're not really fine. No, I mean, like, really, this is nothing. Like, it was just, I think the cameras just caught them at a weird moment or, or something like that. Um, that's, that's the response I've gotten. Okay, I don't know. Maybe there's something traumatic going on, but I don't, like, people took that to mean, oh my gosh, there's a trade brewing. But that's the, part of the year we're in, right? I mean, right now, people were running around yesterday. D'Angelo Russell unfollowed the Lakers on Instagram. Oh, my gosh. 
A trade's happening. He unfollowed the Lakers. Was he ever following them? Oh, I don't know. That's the kind of stuff that, that right now people are overreacting to uh, because we're looking for any evidence that there's a trade. Any evidence that, that a trade is coming, we're looking for any little thing. I think that's what's happening here more than anything else. More than like was D'Lo, was D'Lo crying because he's going to get traded before the next game? It was, you know, with all that happening. Now, D'Angelo Russell really did like some comments on Twitter um, that were criticizing the Lakers for potentially trading him and things like that. So, like, it's something there. But I don't think what was going on in that game in terms of what we saw, D'Angelo Russell sitting with Austin Reeves, I don't... I don't know that that was in any way trade-related, and everybody I've spoken to has, has said it's not. So take that for what it is. Ricky Burt said, you guys are overvaluing Reeves and his contract. Uh, I think Reeves is a great contract. He's making $12 million. I mean, teams would be... There, there's a reason why every team that talks trade with the Lakers says, what do you want for Austin Reeves? There's a reason for that. And it's not just that Austin Reeves is a good basketball player. It also has to do with his contract. He's on a great contract too. So I don't think we're overvaluing Reeves. I know there's this kind of like anti-Reeves backlash going on out there. This anti-Reeves backlash. And that, look, that can happen, right? That's just That happens societally, right? We get sick of one thing or, or you, you hear something too much. There's an inverse to it, right? There's the opposite reaction to that thing that goes on. Um, I mean, dumb example, I guess. But when I was a kid in school, the, the thing was, for a long time, it was your backpack straps have to be as loose as possible. That backpack had better be hanging down by your butt. Then, by the time I got to high school, it went the complete opposite direction. You had to have the straps about as tight as you possibly could so it was pinned to your back. And that was, that was the style, right? That was the way that you wore your backpack. That was what the cool kids did. We see the same kind of stuff happen in how we look at a lot of things in life, sports included. You start hearing, oh, this guy's great, this guy's great, this guy's great. Before you know it, there's a backlash. No, this guy's not so great, right? There's that counter push to it. And that's kind of what we see right now. So I know that's, that's a thing. People are saying Austin Reeves isn't as good as people made him out to be and all that. Was he overhyped? Maybe he was a little bit, right? Darvin Ham said he was going to be an all-star. Is he going to be an all-star? No. But um, I don't think that means we're overvaluing. He's, he's making less than mid-level money. That's fine. <laughs> that's more than fine. That's a, that's a bargain. Retroflow said, sign, oh my goodness. Sign Dwight, bench Reeves, start Max. Look, I, I'll... The, the aging... Bigs, I'm always the first one to say, I I hope, I hope Boogie Cousins, I hope Hassan Whiteside, Dwight Howard, I hope these guys, if they come back into the league, I hope they are great. I'm just not going to believe it till I see it. Dwight Howard was great for the Lakers in 2000. It's 2004. I can tell you what, when you get into your 30s, you start breaking down pretty quick. It happens fast. So you can say, oh, well, that was only four years ago. He's still fine. It goes away quick. 
it goes fast and the guy's just not really saying, I mean, look at, it's even more pronounced in the NFL. Look at how quickly it hits guys. I mean, hell, look at, uh, he's great, but look at Austin Eckler this season. Started off the season, looked like Austin Eckler midway through the season. It's like suddenly he just ran into a wall. Wasn't the same guy. Now, can you get rejuvenated at certain stages? That's obviously with running backs in football. It's a little bit different in terms of the age cliff and all that kind of stuff. But for some of these guys, once it's gone, it's gone. And so I, I don't think you can just assume that it's the same Dwight from four years ago. I don't think you can assume it's the same Dwight from two years ago. I hope if any, any of those guys get brought back, they're great and they revitalize their careers and all that. One of my favorite stories from the title season was Dwight coming back, winning fans over again, and being a real impact player for the Lakers, being a guy who made a difference in that rotation. That was great to see as a role player, as a truly bought-in role player, dirty work kind of guy. All of that was great. Um, but I, I just don't see the, the aging veteran centers as the solution to the Lakers' problem here. Andrew. Said D'Lo Reeves Prince in the playoffs is bad defensively. Get DeJounte Murray. Andrew, I agree. I, I think I think if you go into the playoffs with those three and LeBron James and Anthony Davis, you're going to get torn to shreds defensively. Because you know what happens in the playoffs? Teams actually scheme for you. And teams scheme for other teams right now. But I'm talking about you're truly locked in for the next week. We're only playing this one team. How do we beat the Lakers? And we've got on a whole week, to work on this. We've got potentially seven games to play this team. That's when your flaws will be magnified. And that's why I think that that lineup is not the long-term fit. Kill Raven became a channel member. Welcome in. And so did Ivan. Channel members get some extra bonuses, some goodies, things like that. Um, we do live shows where channel members get to come on stage and join us. It's a lot of fun. Oh, no. Jake. So, and by the way, if you want to check out the channel mem membership program, click the join button uh, down below over in the YouTube channel. You can see all the perks that we offer there. Trade Sean Davis and four firsts for Mark Gunnels as co-host. <laughs> Mark is a good guy. Mark is um, probably still living in victory from his Chiefs, crushing the spirits of the Bills once again. Uh, the Bills missing that field goal at the end of the game. Brutal stuff. Brutal stuff for Buffalo. I thought they were finally going to get through and it, once again, did not happen. Uh, Mark is a big Chiefs guy from Kansas City. But yes, I would love to get Mark on more often. Uh, he's always great whenever he's on. Dan said, but I'm not trading Sean. I'm not trading away Sean. Uh, Dan said, Gabe Prince and a first. So Gabe Vincent, Torian Prince, and a first-round pick for Daniels. Oh, and Herb Jones. The, the Pelicans aren't actually trading Herb Jones. That's the news that came out uh, yesterday. Herb Jones not actually on the trade block, which makes sense. It didn't, it was weird that they would be trading him. Masterlock Genie and the front office. So I think the front office does have some blame in all of this, just like I've said for a while now. You know, I, I did a whole segment talking about Darvin Ham. Is he playing favorites on this team? We've been, I've been critical of his rotations. I've been critical of his timeouts forever and his lack of using timeouts. But it's not all Darvin's fault. And what's funny is, there are a lot of people that want it to be one person's fault. I get, anytime I say something about Darvin Ham, I get a, a comment of, why are, you, why are you complaining about Darvin Ham when you know whose fault it is? It's LeBron's fault. Or it's 
Austin Reeves' fault. So we want to just put all the blame on one person. It's just not accurate. There's plenty of blame to go around. Plenty of blame to go around. You can blame the front office. You can blame Darvin Ham. Now, I do think, if I'm being honest, I think Darvin deserves the biggest slice of the blame pie. But that said, there's plenty of blame to go around. You can blame the players. You can blame Darvin. You can blame Rob Palenka. You can blame the front office in general. You can blame ownership. Plenty of blame to go around for this Lakers team and why they've, they've struggled. So, yeah, Master Log Genie in the front office. Look, we can point fingers at whatever we want and still be right. But to truly be accurate here, you can't say it's just one thing. It's a lot of things for the Lakers. Uh, Miguel, is Xavier Tillman attainable? That's a good question. And you know what? He's a guy that I haven't thought about a lot as, as a potential target for the Lakers. The Grizzlies, uh, they actually won. They, they beat the Raptors last night, which that's not a good sign for the Raptors. Um, maybe that'll make them that much more aggressive to move Bruce Brown. But uh, Xavier Tillman, dirty work, you know, lunch pail type of big. Ah, uh, see, here's the problem. Here's the problem. He's making $2 million this year. His salary is so small that it's actually hard to trade for him. That's the issue. His salary is actually too small. Like you would have, it would have to become a multiplayer deal. And that's not to say it's impossible to do, but that's kind of tough. Look, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate it. I like Xavier Tillman. He's a hard work player, guy who gets in there, can really help on the boards and, and do some things for you. But, um, but just going after him, uh, it might be kind of tough finding a deal that works straight up for him. All right. That's about it for today. That's all the questions that I've got in the mailbag. Once again, we've got Lakers Clippers tonight. Obviously, we're going to be keeping a very close eye on everything on the trade front. The Lakers, they're checking around a lot of different places. It's not just DeJounte Murray. There's a lot of players that they're going to be having trade talks on. We'll see if they can get something done, if they can get multiple things done by that February 8th trade deadline, which goes grows closer and closer every day. But once again, subscribe to the YouTube channel. We're going to keep you as up-to-date as we possibly can. Thank you, everybody, for joining me on this show. I certainly appreciate it. Till next time, see ya, and stay safe. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.